which means it's a lot harder for you to get behind a book if you can't relate to or understand the main protagonist in some way. Um, which is, I know that uh, you all said it was the density of the text, but I do think that is another reason why um, it does make it hard for a lot of people of our generation to understand to or relate to Hester Prynne. It's the Intersectional Podcast, Episode 5. I'm your host, Fahim Kamal. I'm your other host, Brandon Winchell. I'm your other, other host, Lily Remington. And I'm your final host, Karina Provost. Yeah, so when we were coming up with the topic of today's podcast, we were looking back at some of the conversations that we just randomly had, you know, while we were talking as friends. And one in particular that came up was just about reading, like why people like it, why people dislike it, what things people like to read, like what motivates people to read. And so out of all of us, Karina seems to be the one who likes reading the most and who does the most reading. So for today's podcast, we're going to put her in charge of leading a conversation. <laughs> yeah, so I, I love reading. I really like reading. I read all the time. Um, I have two bookshelves in my room and then there's two like really large bookshelves in my family office uh and i've read nearly every book that we have um <laughs> but i just kind of wanted to start out today's episode by like asking uh my fellow podcast hosts like some some personal thought questions and some personal habit questions about reading um that I think a lot of people could probably relate to in terms of uh, why they don't find reading interesting anymore as they grow older, or um, like the reasoning behind that, and maybe what uh, you guys can start doing to try reading more if you're interested. Um, so the first thing that I kind of wanted to ask you guys was, uh, what was the last thing you read or like remember reading um, that was not for school? Yeah, so the last thing I remember reading is, I don't even remember the last thing I remember reading. It's been that long that I, like, I don't freely read. So I guess that answers that question. Um, so I... <laughs> Making my point. <laughs> I, I've not read in a while, but I started reading recently um, because on my birthday, I wanted to get a, a couple books that I feel like would be important. So I actually read, I believe, I don't think I read today. I read yesterday um, night. I was reading Animal Farm. I haven't um, finished it, even though it's like 80 pages. I still have a couple of chapters to go, but yesterday. But before then, um, before my birthday, it, it had been a while. Um, so the last book, the last book I finished reading was called Demian by Herman Hesse. But I'm currently reading this book called Manhunt, The 12 Day Chase for Lincoln's Killer by James L. Swanson. I feel like compared to Fahim and Brandon, I actually, I'm more like Karina in the sense <laughs> <Yeah>. that <laughs> I, well, actually prior to like school closures and all that, I didn't really read that much just because I didn't have that much time on my hands mm -hmm. or I just like, because when I read a book, I get super like immersed in it. And so like during the school year to have to like stop uh, to pause for like doing homework and stuff. So like, I don't really read over the during the school year, but 
I mean, with the school mm -hmm. closures, I've been reading a lot more. Uh, awesome. So I'm also just going to answer the question that myself. Um, the last book I read, which I actually uh, finished two days ago, was um, On Liberty by John Stuart Mill, which is a nonfiction book. I don't think I've read a fiction book uh, since the 10th grade. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, I actually got these, uh, book recommendations of the ones that I'm currently reading, and so the next one that I'm starting, uh, today actually is Creating Capabilities, um, by, uh, Martha Nussbaum. Uh, I got these recommendations from our Ivy Literature teacher, so I recommend them to everybody, because, honestly, they're incredible, incredible books, and they're really eye-opening. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, so, yeah, th that is the last thing I read in the book that I am... I am currently starting. Um, I guess this question is more for 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 Brandon and Fahim rather than Lily because Lily Lily is still reading. Um, why do you guys personally think that you 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 started to read less? Mm, I feel like I I I guess I'll go first because Fahim you seem to be thinking. Um, but reading to me, um, especially fiction because nonfiction, I feel like there's more like instant like oh this makes sense and there's not as much like nuance to reading it and it just like makes more sense right off the bat um but fiction to me I feel like school might have played a part in like the reasons why I don't like it because a lot of the time when we read fiction I just don't understand and a lot of the topics like they pick for us to read fiction on just aren't interesting to me and overall I feel like that kind of like corrupted what I I like to read because I just started associating all of like fiction with like that category of school books that we are required to read and it's just like I feel like that had the biggest impact in terms of why I started to read less and then how did you in that case how did you feel about uh the AP Lang like course course reading because we had to read two nonfiction books for that um AP Lang I feel like was a little different like I said I feel like the nonfiction books to me are a little bit more interesting because it's just like oh I get the knowledge right away I don't have to do any other like super critical thinking on the topic so it's just it's easier for me to understand the book so I feel more enjoyment from them so I feel like the books we read in that class um, especially like the new Jim Crow I feel like that book was like really interesting to me especially because it's about like stuff that's happening right now and like modern issues that um we need to address as a society and I feel like those things just like intrigued me more than like certain fiction things we've read in other English classes right 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 of course um, yeah, so I guess the reason why I don't like reading as much was because, like, you know when you're reading, you're reading this passage, and it's describing, like, the background, right? But it's, like, three pages or, like, two pages describing <laughs> the background, right? And I just get so into it, and I'm just like, at the end, I don't know what I've read, right? Mm -hmm. So I get, I got really turned off of fiction for that reason, just because it's, like, I, I, I couldn't do it anymore. It just wasn't what I wanted when i read mm -hmm. so like you i wouldn't... think i could resonate with brandon when he was talking about how he wants the knowledge right i think the knowledge gain i like i when i go to read a book right yeah. my purpose is to gain the knowledge that this book supposedly wants to you know give the message right and i feel mm -hmm. like that's more deliberately and more easily accessed through nonfiction books which is why i'd rather read a nonfiction book you would hate Stephen okay. King novels. <laughs> um, 
does Lily want to tackle the question or? Well, I mean, I guess I, I, I kind of touched on it just saying like, for me, like, I just get so immersed in, like, books, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. I guess I like both because I like the feeling, I guess, of imagining another world that's not our own. So I just, or even nonfiction, I just get so immersed in, like, the story and the knowledge that I'm gaining from the book that, like, during the school year, I'm, like, I just want to, like, sit and read the book and, like, not stop, but with school, like, when I'm in school, I have so many other things going on that mm-hmm. I, I, I'll i open the book, read a chapter, and then probably not open it again for, like, a week because I just don't have time, and then by the time I open the book again, I've forgotten everything, so I just, like, don't really read during the school year, but whenever we have breaks, I just go ham and read all the books. All right, um, and then can I just, I just kind of want to, like, close out my little interview section thing with, like, which of your guys' school-assigned books were your favorites to read? Like, which ones did you actually find yourself enjoying, and which ones did you read all the way through? Not the Scarlet Letter, I'll tell you that. (laughs) That that was a boring bleep book. (laughs) I'll let you guys answer, because I can't. I can't think. I gotta. I need a second. Um. Yeah. I think my favorite one was the New Jim Crow. It really opened me up to mass incarceration in the mm-hmm. United States currently, and it was a really easy read with a lot of the descriptive evidence needed to like talk to people about the issue. So it was a really good introduction to the topic. Okay, um, kind of on that note, I, I just kind of wondering, do you think you liked the new Jim Crow because you got to choose it? That was definitely an element in it as well. Like, I feel like a lot of the school, school books don't really resonate with what I, what I want to read about. Having that choice was really a good factor. Mm -hmm. And then for you personally, yeah, like for you personally, does, um... Do you find interest in what you have to read for debate? Yeah, for sure. I, I really like what we're reading right now. Like the, the topic for this year has to do with the criminal justice system. So mm-hmm. a lot of what we're reading is right now is about the abolitionist practice. And like that stuff is interesting to me. So I like reading about it. Awesome. Um, I guess I'll go now um, because I hadn't answered. Um, but... I guess I wasn't thinking about the new Jim Crow because the fact that we, like, got to pick, so I didn't, like, think about it like that. But that was probably my favorite um, for the same reasons, like Fahim said. It was just, like, easy to read and just, like, understand, like, what it was saying. But if I had to pick a fiction book, probably Brave New World. Yeah, so... I haven't read that one. Oh, you haven't? No. For real. It's kind of like 1984. If you've read that. Oh, yeah. No, Similar, like, dystopian sort of, like... The dystopian vibes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, if I had to choose... Well, okay. So, I've actually... <laughs> I read all the books that we were assigned in school all the way through. <laughs> but that doesn't mean I enjoyed them. <laughs> My favorite fiction right. book, I agree with Brandon. I would probably say it was Brave New World. Yeah. Or, 
I mean, I liked Of Mice and Men, and I liked the Odyssey, but I don't know if I could read the Odyssey, like, the full Odyssey, yeah. all the way through. I could see why. But, I mean, I just like, like, met, like ancient Greek and Roman, mm-hmm. co- like, culture and all that, so that's probably why I enjoyed that. But out of the two, like, nonfiction books we had to read for school... I picked Outliers for AP Lang, but I don't think I actually, it was an interesting book, but it's all the things that they list as for why people are outliers isn't entirely factual. Not, not that it's not factual, but like, there's just like, I read some things online saying that like the book isn't the most like accurate or whatever. So that kind of like changed my perception of it, I guess. And then for the How Children Succeed that we had to read, I guess I like the message of the book saying like, oh, you know, it's not just test scores that determine whether or not a child, like it's about the circumstances they grew up in, but I just hated the author so much. I could not stand reading that book. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, those are my favorites. It's okay, it's okay. <laughs> um, so... Um, my personal favorites in terms of books that we read, um, uh, I think I made it very clear to our, our, uh, 10th grade English class that I love The Great Gatsby. I forgot about that one. I loved The Great Gatsby. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I adore The Great Gatsby. Um, it, it was one of my favorite books before it was assigned to us in class. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's one of the few pieces of, like, uh, like classic American fiction that I think I find myself enjoying um, and I know so many people who don't actually like The Great Gatsby I, <laughs> so so many people I, was, I don't know if I didn't like it I feel like I was indifferent to The Great Gatsby but it wasn't my favorite it wasn't like a particular affection for the book right mm-hmm. yeah right um, I think think i have to say and i'm sorry to all of the mark twain fans out there that my least favorite was was huck finn i think i actually really? enjoyed the scarlet letter more than i enjoyed really? huck finn no thought, that's I, that's cat I, I <laughs> no huck way was, i thought huck finn was I, like decently interesting better than the I, scarlet letter at least <laughs> i think reading reading the scarlet letter was the problem because the language that nathaniel hawthorne uses and his freaking page long sentences that was a little much but i kind of want to say i agree with Karina, but i might be biased because (laughs) when we had to read huck finn i was like there were other things going on so i was just like not a happy camper and reading that book i was like this ain't it So the density in which uh, Hawthorne writes the Scarlet Letter doesn't bother me. Never has, never has bothered really? me. The language that he used, the length of his sentences. Really? I, it was not. The thing is, it's not hard for me to read because I'm acclimated to texts like that. Like, I have read so much stuff out of that time period. That's like, it's much. not just exclusive to, um, it's not just exclusive to the Scarlet Letter for me. So, I mean... I don't know if you've ever read Common Sense by Thomas Paine. Um, this is kind of kind of different. It's a little bit irrelevant. But it's like 
if you think about the time period in which it was written, because, like, this was written in 1776, for crying out loud, it's, I, I really think that it's just, like, acclamation to, to the style of language. And also, I was, like, really interested in the story, and I don't want to spoil it in case anybody hasn't read it and wants to read it, but, like, I thought, like, the twists and turns of the Scarlet Letter, despite how long and drawn out that they were, were more, they were, they were just more interesting to me. Um, like, Pearl was more interesting to me as a character than Huck Finn. I, I barely remember anything that happened in either of them, if I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> Wasn't, but, like, the main character's name, like, Hester or something? Hester yeah. Prynne, something like that. Hester Prynne, yeah. yeah. I just, I think, um, like you were saying, I'm not acclimated to the language at all and i hate absolutely hate writing actually writing in it isn't as bad but i hate reading like such dense texts because it's just so hard for me to like stay focused at times because i just think it's so hard to like understand like what these words mean and words that i don't hear like all the time and then when it's like more common language kind of how like twain wrote huck finn it's just easier for me to like understand and thus the story even though it's not necessarily mm-hmm. like the same as the language the story becomes easier for me to understand right like so you're so you, do you think that your like ability to to like understand a book makes it more enjoyable for you oh definitely and just kind of like going off of that do you think that if a book is like hard for you to understand or if you have to put an extra research or work to understand a book that it would it would it would turn you away from reading it yeah that's definitely a possibility Ah, uh, yes, the laziness of, of, of teenagers kicks in. Hey. Um, <laughs> hey. it, it's all of us. It's not just you. It's all of us. It's, it, is, it is a lot yeah. of people. I, I try my best to look up words I don't know and look up things I don't know and go that extra step. But sometimes when it's just like so many times throughout the book, it just makes me like, I just want to get through this book. I don't want to have to do all this extra stuff to read the book that's like just already dense on these pages. It's already that long, plus the well, extra work. It just like turns me off to the mm-hmm. book, I guess. But would, would you say that only really happens when it's a book that you have to read for school? Like, for example, if it was a book that you chose to read, but there was like words that you didn't know because it was on like a topic maybe you're interested in but you don't really know too much about so you have to kind of look up a lot of base knowledge but in that case it would be fine what do you say um it would probably be better i don't know if i would say it's like necessarily fine again i think it depends too on mm. if it's fiction or non-fiction if it's non-fiction that's not as big of a deal to me because like i read non-fiction knowing that i'm probably gonna un- like not understand some of the concepts they're like bringing out but with fiction, sometimes if it's just such, like, old writing or it's, like, such dense writing, it just makes me, like, what is going on? And I just, like, <laughs> even if it's something I wanted to read or, like, I thought I wanted to read, having to put in that extra work just, like, it's something that just makes me discouraged, I guess. Also, I feel yeah. like when you're reading fiction, like, as you read, you become more, like, enveloped in it, more mm-hmm. interested in it. So if there's such a, like... I don't know the word. Like, if there's such an impediment to getting that enjoyment, like, you're less likely to want to read it more. Whereas, like, in nonfiction, you're probably somewhat acquainted to the topic, so you know already if you're interested or not. So it's not like that happens earlier in um, mm. fiction, right? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I actually kind of have to agree with that. Like, when I was a kid, in, like, the second grade, I really wanted to read Harry Potter. But mm-hmm. I got to the first book, and I had no idea what a cloak was. And, you know, that's kind of, like, a central theme in Harry Potter with this freaking invisibility cloak. And I'm like, mm-hmm. what the heck is a cloak? So then I just put the book down, and I never read it again. <laughs> I know my brother read all of those. I never got into them. I remember I read probably the first or first and second pages of the first Harry Potter book. Probably like at least five. At least probably more than five times. Trying to understand what it said and trying to like think about like how I would like get into this book. And then I just never ended up reading it because I just kept setting it down after I got discouraged. And then I just kept rereading and I'm like, nah, I'm not doing this ever. Yeah, I... I did actually start them, I think, in maybe the second or third grade, and I was so, like, I believe that I started reading them the year The Deathly Hollows Part 2 came out, and mm-hmm. I was so sad to have that spoiled for me. <gasps> no! I hate when people do that, even with, like, stuff that's not books or like movies. It's so annoying. Because then I later read Harry Potter, and my mom read it. And she spoiled mm-hmm. the end for me, and oh, I was no. so mad. Oh, no. I'm low-key jealous so of people who read the Harry Potter. I felt like they had low clout key. in, like, elementary school. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I, read, I read the Harry Potter, talking about it with the teacher. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Okay, like, but I want to be in on this conversation. To be fair, I remember there was this kid in my second grade class, and he had, like, you know, in AR, how there was, like, the colored stamps? The dots? Yeah, yeah, So he was, uh-huh. like, at the purple or black, which was, like, at the top. Yeah. And so he, on his desk, had, like, the sixth Harry Potter book or something. The one, the the Half-Blood Prince. And so then later when I was reading that book, I'm like, there's no way a second grader was reading this book and comprehending what was going on. Like, he probably just had the book on the desk for class. (laughs) And then... Popularity. Bro, facts. And then my mom, she really liked Harry Potter. And so we would watch the movies. And so then my brother would go to school and take the AR test solely based on the movie. And so he was like, yeah, I read Harry. Yeah, he would pass. And he's like, yeah, I read Harry Potter. I'm like, no, you didn't. Everyone is lying. That's funny. Sorry. Oh, my God. Yeah, speaking of... Sorry, this is going to be another tangent. Um, Speaking of Harry Potter, my fourth grade teacher, um, her whole room was decorated based on Harry Potter. There was four groups of tables. Each was, like, a house of Harry Potter. And I never read it, so, like, I didn't really understand it. But I always thought it was, like, pretty cool. And then in the end, like, she would, like, count up, like, how many, like... I don't know if... It wasn't jelly beans. It was, like, some, like, point system. And at the end, like, I was Slytherin, and we were winning... And then Gryffindor won. And then I just, Bruh. like, heard that's, like, what happened in the books. And I was like, whoa, that's crazy. <laughs> but it was just, like, interesting at the time about Harry Potter. That is pretty right. much It was rigged from the start. You just didn't know it in fourth grade. I know. <laughs> Bro, but, like, imagine, I mean, I know I personally am a Ravenclaw. I don't know if this means anything to any of you. Mm-hmm. But Me like, too, Karina. Like, literally, the Ravenclaws never get anything. And it's Bruh. just... We get Luna. It hurts. <laughs> I, I think and I everyone just thinks she's weird. One time, because someone wanted me to, and I think I might have got Hufflepuff, but I'm not Makes sure. Makes sense. Makes sense. Honestly, I could mean? see. That's such I a horse. I could see Brandon. <laughs> I could. I could honestly see Brandon as a Hufflepuff or a Ravenclaw. Yeah. I don't know what I that think. means, but I'll take it. It means you're like kind. 
Yeah, I thought Hufflepuff people were, like, nice. Is what... Yeah, Hufflepuffs are nice and uh, loyal and... I can't remember all the Hufflepuff traits right now. Sounds it's like been me. a while. It sounds like me. Um, but, yeah. Um, so, <laughs> actual last question before we get into, like, discussion stuff, mm-hmm. I guess. <laughs> um, what are your guys' just, like, all-time favorite books? Regardless of, like, school things. Mm. Maybe it's a school book. I don't know. <laughs> Need to look at my I remember, book. I remember what your I, I remember what Fahim's answer was at the very least last time I asked this. I forgot my answer. <laughs> I was about to ask. <laughs> I forgot my answer. You want to tell me what my answer was? <laughs> yeah, you said the Maze Runner. Oh yeah, oh. the Maze Runner went so hard. Oh my god, <laughs> I love that series. Uh, I love funny. that series. I watched the movies. You know it. I just. Uh. Why do I remember Fahim's favorite book and Fahim doesn't? <laughs> no, no, you remind me. It was the Maze Runner, and I don't know if you guys know about this other series. There's a scene called like Test the Test or whatever that was amazing and then there was another another series which is like uglies P- pretty something and extra oh, right? you read that yeah i read that what? and like the post-apocalyptic genre goes so hard like i can't we were um cleaning out our house today and there was like a crate of books and we were gonna like donate some of them and keep some of them um based on like which ones we wanted and i um I actually kept the testing. I had never read it, but that's interesting that you said that because I'll probably read it now. I didn't know if I was gonna read it anytime. It's soon. it's a good ass book. All right, I'll 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 look into that. And then I was like, because we had a box of all the Maze Runner ones, and I was like, one of the books is missing, and I see the Maze Runners on my bookshelf. Now I now I see why. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'll I'll answer the question in a second. Um. Okay, I'll probably say there was this one book I read. Um, over the summer, like, I finished it probably, like, a month or two ago, um, called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. It's a nonfiction book, and it's about, like, um, this therapist and her situations with patients, and then the fact that she had gone through a breakup and had to go to her own therapist, and it's kind of just, like, an account of, like, her experiences as a therapist and, like, how she helped um, certain people and how she grew as a person because of, like, what she did as her profession, um, and I feel like it was honestly one of my favorite reads. It's called, um, it's by Lori Gottlieb, called Maybe You Should Talk mm-hmm. to Someone. And I, I would recommend it. It's um, nonfiction, and they obviously changed the names. And I feel like part of it is because I like psychology, and I've been interested in therapy, even though like I don't go to therapy or anything. But um, I just thought it was a really good read. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... I don't know if any of you have read it. Probably not. No. Yeah, no, I have it, but I'm really interested in picking it up now. Mm-hmm. I guess I have well, I have a lot of favorite books, but one of my most favorite books is this book called The Art of Racing in the Rain by Garth Stein. Oh, and then that it's, became a movie? Yes, it's the one, mm-hmm. it's the sad dog trope, <laughs> but it's, it's such a good book. I, I cried so hard at the end, but mm-hmm. it, I feel like do sad do- I can't Both. do sad pets. I can't. Both. Fahim, the minute was like, or the movie was like two minutes in, and I was already <laughs> sobbing because I knew Aww. the end. Oh, I, was, remember, I remember it was um in the in the trailers or whatever the trailers are coming out and i remember how excited you were because i remember you said yes. you read it. oh my gosh yo, such a good book yo 
Marley and me, I don't know if any of you have seen that. Yes. That movie traumatized me as a child because I cried yes. so, so much. But I can't do sad pet movies because then I just think about all of my animals. And I can't. I just can't. It hurts me. I don't think I've seen many sad pet movies, read books, or read books on them. Like stuff. I like mean, that. I must say, the book is better, in my opinion, than the movie. I'm that, I'll be that snob, but, like, the book is so good. The end of the book, like, if you read all the way to the end, like, the epilogue, bro, there's a, there's a twist low-key. It's just, the whole book is sad, and it breaks my heart, but it's, it's an amazing book, and mm-hmm. I feel like the frame that it puts around life is very interesting and thought-provoking, but other than that, <laughs> I also liked Demian by Herman Hesse, which was, like, the last book I finished reading, and it was kind of like a philo- philosophy book it was it was pretty interesting and then my favorite non-fiction book is called the fortune cookie chronicles by jennifer a lee it was actually very interesting it's about like the history of chinese food in america because like you know chinese food in america is not like legit chinese food and it explains like the history behind like how the fortune cookie got here and fun fact the fortune cookie is actually a japanese thing and fortune cookies didn't fortune cookies did not actually give you like good things they were like kind of negative because then once you heard the negative you would change yourself to become a better person it wasn't just like good things are in your future that's interesting so you're telling me they were misfortune cookies (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and it, but it was actually it was it was pretty interesting like but yeah can i tell an interesting fortune cookie story yes so one time i was really actually this was very recently this was a couple weeks ago i was i was i was really i was really craving fortune cookies um so i grabbed two and I opened the first one and it was like, you will have a long, uh, a good long life ahead of you. And I was in, I was in a discord call with a couple of my, fr- uh, of a couple of my online friends. And I literally just go, no, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets better. I open the second fortune cookie and the fortune says, try it. You might like it. And oh I my just, God. What? You... Yeah, and I currently have those two fortunes, like, like magneted to my fridge because I thought it was so funny. Oh, That's my. so crazy. No, I don't want that. You might have to dispute that with Panda Express or something. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Um, but yeah. What are your favorite books, Karina? Yeah, I was gonna ask. Okay, so um my personal favorite book like my all-time favorite book is is thinking fast and slow by daniel kahneman so um i think this book taught me a lot about um like when to be on guard with my thought processes um avoiding intuition um it helped me uh like it i guess it helped me focus like hone in on a taste for for the smaller details in both my life and my writing um because thinking fast and slow is all about understanding how we make choices Hmm. um so it can it it i guess it helps help me realize how we how we consider like rational uh functioning versus intuitive functioning um how to pay attention to those who listen to us um like 
like many of the effects that the books talk that the book talks about are 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 subtle, but they help us understand how humans make decisions. And I I loved reading it. It's long. It's it's five hundred pages yeah. of of straight nonfiction. Like a, it's a little dense. Um, it, so I don't recommend picking it up as your first like nonfiction book. Actually, if you wanted like a first time nonfiction book, and if you're somebody like me who has like maybe confidence issues, I recommend Presence by Amy Cuddy. Her TED Talk is probably the most the most popular TED Talk on on what? you know. Ted. The TEDx company. <laughs> Wait, what Ted. is it? Um, what's it about? Uh, so, Presence. Uh, oh, gosh. How do I even explain this? Um, have you seen the TED Talk, Brandon? I don't know. That's why I was at. The, I, I might have because I watch a lot of TED Talks and then forget. But um, that's why I was, like, wondering what, like, the TED Talk and the book were on. Got it. So, so literally, the subtitle of the book for for Presence is is literally just, like, bringing your best or bringing your boldest self to your biggest challenges mm-hmm. i think give me a sec mm-hmm. yeah that's it um <laughs> so it's it's all about it's all about like what your presence is and it's about like like owning like literally that's the first chapter it explains what your presence is um and how like you have to kind of like believe in your own state of self in order to like gain confidence and how how body language like how do other people's body language influences us how our body language influences people how our own body language influences us like she covers um she covers like slouching she covers smiling she covers like powerlessness or how 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 power kind of like sets us free um and how we can slowly inch ourselves towards becoming becoming more more confident people and in the 11th chapter of of that book it is it she says my favorite quote of all time she also says in her pen talk but um it's rather than fake it till you make it it's fake it till you become it Hmm. um which i think is i think is rather empowering for for Mm -hmm. a self-confidence book because you're not just you're not just faking it until like people think you're confident you're faking it until until you are confident in yourself and then you don't have to fake anything anymore Mm-hmm. I think I, um, I love that. <laughs> I think I think I might have to have to read that sometime soon, especially because I'm someone who has like a lot of um, self confidence issues and anxiety about like especially like social interactions and like public especially like that, that. Mm-hmm. um especially that. And the reason I picked up her book in the first place was because of speech and debate. Because I know my freshman year I was terrified Mm -hmm. to do anything of the sort and picking up that book like realizing just how much more I could feel myself speaking in front of a room when I pulled my shoulders back and 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 kept my head up like it's the feeling is not only a good stretch if you slouch like me but (laughs) also (laughs) empowering yeah Sounds really interesting. Sounds like something I would like to read. Yeah, I think you'd really like it, uh, Brandon. I really watch do. the TED Talk first. See if you're interested. In I will book. do that. I will do that after this. <laughs> um. um, and then I think uh, my favorite fiction book is between The Great Gatsby and The Giver. 
Mm-hmm. I read Ooh. The Giver recently. I got yeah. that for, for my birthday. I read that in like a day or two. But the sequel to The Giver is also really I, good. Gath- Gathering Blue. I re- yeah, I read that one too. Because I finished both of them. Because um, they're not the most difficult fiction books. Um, and then I have mm-hmm. the other two. I haven't finished those. But I read both of those in probably like a week. I, I really like them too. So I would second that recommendation. If you've never read The Giver, read The Giver. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> this has turned into a book recommendation corner. <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> yeah, so I guess what I wanted to talk about is that there's a really short, like, research news article um, that was published in 2013 by Emory University that correlates, like, the things we read, like, how fiction actually, like, changes our brain. Hmm. Um, because it, it'll activate sensory areas of our brain. Um, and then you all took AP Psych, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Did AP Psych ever cover grounded uh, grounded cognition? No. Not that I could think of. Darn. I was really hoping it did. Um, so for anybody who doesn't know, and for you guys, uh, grounded cognition like rejects the traditional view that cognition is computation on a modal symbols in a modular system, which, big words, don't make a lot of sense on their own. Um, but <laughs> basically... It's, it's a theory that, um, I guess, like, all of the features that we know about cognition and stuff, whether they're human or not, um, they're shaped by whole aspects of ourselves, right? So, like, um, so like model simulations, the state that our body is in, or, or a situation action that we do are all a part of cognition. Hmm. Um. And, like, the various features of it will include, like, high-level mental constructs, like reading a book. So when you read a fiction book, even though the author is kind of guiding you through it, um, you're still you're still imagining that universe, and you're still yeah. imagining that that world. Um, and oftentimes it's said that you, you can find yourself embodying the main protagonist Mm -hmm. which means it's a lot harder for you to get behind a book if you can't relate to or understand the main protagonist in some way um which is i know that uh you all said it was the density of the text but i do think that is another reason why um it does make it hard for a lot of people of our generation to understand to or relate to hester Mm -hmm. prayer i'd never heard that explanation that's really interesting um damn i must have been yes. going through it when i was <laughs> reading the maze runner <laughs> <laughs> we'd be stuck in the maze i was going through it when i was well, reading the art of racing in the rain oh my god <laughs> well um and i think that that whole study and that whole idea um kind of pertains a lot to why our favorite books are what they are um because if you think about it if you were stuck in the position where you had to escape the maze, like in the maze run, um, or like if you were stuck in that in that situation, your brain starts to activate. Like think of this scenario. It's just like um, you understand that as these characters are are getting to know each other, you're getting to know those characters, and as these characters are starting to escape, you're starting to put the pieces of the puzzle together, and you're starting to learn more about how the maze works. So. As the main character goes through the story, 
you do too. And I think that that is one of the primary reasons why we read fiction. Could any of us relate to what was going on in, in The Scarlet Letter? Not in the slightest. Could any of us relate to what was going on in, in Huckleberry Finn? Probably not. The Great Gatsby? Definitely not. Because as far as I'm aware, we are all middle-class children. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, if you think about all of the fiction that has been piled on us for the last year... There, where was, there, was, there, was no, there was no connection that we could solidly build between ourselves and our like, personal like, neurological cognition to those characters. And it just made it, I think it made it hard for us to like the book. Hmm. I, I have a question for you really quick, since I know you're writing your own novel. Yeah, yeah, I am. Does this like, knowledge about like, why people like to read or what these like things you know about reading does it influence how you write or like what you absolutely i thought so that's absolutely so um i'm not going to name drop or plug my book because it's not done and i don't know when i'll finish it (laughs) but um I am writing a fantasy adventure novel, and I've tried to write a lot of other books in the past. I've tried to write a psychological dystopia. I've tried to write a, a um, an adventure science fiction book um, that turned into more of a spy book, but that's not relevant. Um, when it comes down to writing a fantasy adventure book, the world building is so important. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys have ever read... Um, the Lord of the Rings. No. I read The Hobbit. Or The Hobbit, yeah. The world building is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, but you get, you get so absorbed in that specific universe. Mm-hmm. And I want that for my book, so I think I spend a lot of time detailing probably too much time detailing the surroundings of my care like the surroundings of my characters and the setting of 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 the plot because i've built an entire world in my brain and i have to put it on paper in words that other people will understand <laughs> well, <I think laughs> and that's really hard to do uh-huh. not simple at all i was i was talking to this about brandon i think that's really cool having to like go through all those processes of making those mm-hmm. decisions of like what your world's gonna be what each character, like, does this character have a mental disorder or whatever? You know what I mean? Yeah, and knowing what I know about that kind of, like, cognitive functionality that happens when we're reading and the fact that you need to be able to see yourself um, in a main character, and I think that holds true whether um, uh, male, female, or or gender neutral or gender fluid. Um, like, I think that you should be able to see aspects of yourself in that character, like, regardless mm-hmm. of of that um so like the main character of my book i tried to pick a relatively neutral age group so the character the main character of my book is 19 years old so kind of like on the bridge of no longer being a teenager and still a teenager so like it's essentially like teenage young adult fiction yeah Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think that's really cool i think it's cool and i think it makes sense because if you think about it like Books that are super long and detailed, like books like Stephen King, like how I mentioned earlier, having all those details is what makes it so, like, that's what makes it quote-unquote scary, you know? Because it's not so much like, oh, there's, like, 
blood and gore everywhere, but it's just, like, everything is so, like, eerie and detailed and everything. So, yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I... I do, to answer your question. I, I, I try and use everything that I know, and I have at least four books on my shelves. On like, like one of the books that I read that was really helpful was The Twelve Fatal Flaws of Fiction Writing. Mm-hmm. So if you're a fiction writer, pick up that book. It's so helpful. Also, dialogue is really hard. Um, <laughs> now I'm just complaining. But... I think that's, like, the really cool part about um, writing and reading is, like, in movies it's like so like simple to see but in writing and reading you have to like think about all these things like externally without like a visual like necessarily like a visual cue to like understand that so i think like the intricacies of like writing makes that that makes that possible it's just really like cool did you guys read a lot as kids Mm -hmm. i did not do that when i was a kid (laughs) did your parents read to you a lot um my parents did not read to me as much as as much as they probably should have but i don't i don't want to bash my parents <laughs> sorry not trying not trying to call out your parents no i mean i don't think they were bad parents for it i'm not saying that but i'm just saying like they didn't read to me a lot is is basically right. what i'm getting at right and my brother he read a lot more than i did um he still probably reads a lot more than i do and I don't know if that's necessarily, like, because of, um, I didn't read a lot when I was younger, just because of how I am as a person, but um, I'm trying to get into it more, and um, I don't know if me not starting as early as, like, other people is, has created, like, difficulties in that, but I, I'm starting, and I, mm-hmm. I enjoy reading a lot more now than I did years ago. Really? For him? <laughs> my parents didn't read to me because they didn't know English. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. My... But did they read to you in uh, Where are you thinking they get Bangla books in freaking America? <laughs> <laughs> what? Well, I don't know. What if they had books when they were in Bangladesh? <laughs> or Bangladesh? Yeah, no, they didn't bring books when they immigrated, no. I see. That's, um... <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> I mean, my parents didn't, like, I have no memory of them reading to me, ever, just because they never really had time. Yeah, that's always a thing, but there is a possibility that they read to me more than I know, um, or more than I remember, I guess, because, like, a lot of the stuff, like, that happens when you're, like, really young, you don't remember, um, very well, so they, they Mm could have read to me more than I, I'm thinking they did, but I don't know, I, I don't think they read too much. Like, I just remember the very basic, like, children's stories, you know, your your mm-hmm. Dr. Seuss and all that, because we still have those books, so obviously they probably read them to me, but I, I mean, that's as far as it goes. But <laughs> interestingly, I remember reading to my parents. Like, I remember <laughs> in the second grade, like, when I was reading my AR books, I would sit out on the patio with my mom at like 7.30 or something, and I would just read the book to her. <laughs> but yet Reverse I still can't roles. read. I still can't read out loud. Like, I, when we're in class and the teacher's like, Lily, can you read the next paragraph? Yeah. I, I, I can't speak it. <laughs> I think it's like, I don't know if it's like anxiety in those situations, but it's a lot harder for me to do that as well. Like, I just like yeah. start to choke up, especially... um if it's like a presentation more so so maybe that is proof that it's more like anxiety related 
But when it's like something like I have to make and I know what I was gonna say, but I just like start to choke up even if I'm reading off of a piece of paper. I don't know. Yeah. Um Let me think. Sorry, I lost I lost my train of thought. Um okay. At least you didn't lose your train of sneeze. Oh my god, the train has <laughs> sneezed. Oh my sneeze. god, that's the worst The train has sneezed. When I'm about to sneeze and someone go like, pineapple, I'm like, oh my god, I'm about to box you right now. Like, come on, I'm not gonna sneeze now? Like, you really ruined my day with that. Like, I, okay, well, I have, I, I have, I've recently trained myself to try and sneeze as quietly as possible, uh-huh. just because of, of, of my friend constantly saying good sneeze every time I sneeze. Yeah, when I when I'm on like a call with someone, I I sometimes mute myself when I sneeze. Um, but like in public before like the pandemic, even like I would try to hold in sneezes. And I don't think that's a good habit because like obviously like a sneeze is trying to get stuff out. But I would be like, I don't want people to see me sneeze and have to say thank you because I don't know who said it because <laughs> it's like so loud in my head when I'm sneezing. They're like bless you, and I'm like I don't know who said that, so I just say thank you out to the world. You, 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 that's what you're supposed to do. You don't like specifically say you just well, say thank you. No, 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 no. Thank, sometimes you throw it out somebody there. Somebody is blessing so, you. Well, sometimes there's only like one person that says bless you. You know what's the saddest thing when someone mm. sneezes and then no one says no one says bless you. <laughs> and, I'm like, and then when it's like a popular kid or the teacher even, oh my god, everyone says it, and I'm like, I just sneeze and literally no one blessed me. Like, come on, dog. You're so sad. <laughs> oh, sorry, this is really. I swear, I have the most aggressive sneezes. That's I think okay. like that's one thing I got from my dad. Like my oh sneeze my game strong. I do. You're about to get blown away. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, this you is really loud. This is really loud. Strong. Uh-huh. Sorry, this is really off topic. Um, it's okay. It's funny. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much we we want to keep into this, but I think it. I think. I think we should fun. keep it all. I think we should. Um, so essentially, what all of those questions and that like neurological study. Um, that I brought up was was all getting to like it was all cumulative cum, mm, cumulatively getting to this. I can speak English, I swear. Um, so what I was kind of like the reason I asked you guys like um, what the last book you read was to kind of input the idea in your head to think consciously about about when you're reading and why you're reading. Um, and if you can't remember or you don't know. Um, that I don't think you're, you're, you're personally invested, Mm. as invested in reading as maybe somebody like me or Lily who can remember, like, name drop the, like, author and (laughs) title of the last book we read and when we read it. Yeah. Um, so, I, I started there with that because, um, like, like, why is that? Why, why are some people more invested in it versus others? Um, and... I mean, I personally was just trying to draw the connection to see if, like, maybe, like, the amount she read as a child maybe contributed to it or not. Um, uh, in this case, it doesn't really seem like it, because uh, there's, like, varying levels of it everywhere between the four of us. Um, but it was really, as Lily said, um, as to why she doesn't read as much during the school year. Um, and it's because, like the four of us and a lot of other students are really, really busy kids. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and we have to we have a lot of stuff that 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 grabs our attention and so i think that our attention deficit as a generation probably causes us to read less so people who are able to sustain their attention span for longer longer probably have an easier time picking up and finishing a book um or somebody like me who literally has to get closure for things Mm -hmm. will will have an easier time like getting through a book that's like had an impact on me um but we talked about this a little bit in uh the the technology episode is attention and like Mm -hmm. what what technology does to our attention um but our attention span is is shaped by the things that we do on a daily basis and how long we're able to dedicate ourselves to an activity. Um, and because we're forced to switch activities so often, obviously, I think that's that's going to give us like a bit of an attention deficit. Yeah. Um, so I think it's harder for a lot of people to sit through fiction books and craft these entire like imaginative characteristics within within their head than um, than a lot of people want to. Because um, like we heard it a couple minutes ago when when. Fahim was like, the Maze Runner go hard. I love the Maze Runner. (laughs) Um, In the sense that, like, it's not that you don't like reading. It's not that there aren't books that you love. It's that, where's the time? What book do I even read anymore? Like, do I, do do I, do I want to? Do I think about it? No. Um, Have people recommended books to me? Sure. Um, Do I, would I like them? I don't know. (laughs) Um, but I think that, uh, rather than taking that mindset in particular, think about all of the books that you love. Like, think about, think about how, how long of an attention span that you have, or, or, or maybe what factors contributed to why you stopped reading. Like, is it because of school? Like, your schedule? Are you too busy to, to keep your, keep your attention on a book for that long? Um, because I think reading's really important. Reading does so much for, for, for our brain activity and for our knowledge and our imagination. So, like, our creativity, our cognitive function, like, all of these things are just immensely, like, heightened by reading. Um, I'm very passionate about reading, people. (laughs) Um, Well, I mean, I think it kind of says a lot that we spent, like, probably... 45 like 30 to 45 minutes each like in like well in total explaining our favorite books and why we love them so much so and I think that can be said for like a lot of people it's not that you don't like reading it's just perhaps you can't you don't see yourself in the characters in the books you have to read in school and those are the only books during the school year that you really have time to read so then you think that you don't like reading because then you only really have like two months where you can read whatever you want and then sometimes in that case it's easier to get the instant gratification of going out with friends or watching a youtube video or watching a show on netflix than having to completely like invest yourself in reading an entire world and delaying the gratification of understanding the end of the like the the book's purpose until the end of it I think um, it's really interesting, like, the attention deficit thing, because I feel like, I don't know if this is, if you guys have a lot of issues with attention, but I was going to say, I probably um, have the, like, smallest attention span. I, like, bounce from thing to thing, like, when I'm on the podcast, when I'm not on the podcast, I just be 
thinking about stuff that's like so unrelated to what like I'm supposed to like quote unquote supposed to be thinking about and I have said for years that I hate reading and I think the connection that um you are making from those two things and the correlation between them I think it's like really accurate in that a lot of the times when I say I don't like reading it's because of think because I'm thinking about all those times where I was reading and I lost my uh, train of like thought and I like just wanted to go off and do something else because my attention went from the book to something completely unrelated so I think it's just such like a good like such an accurate reason to why we don't like reading and why we think mm-hmm. we don't like reading mm-hmm. and and that's exactly what it is mm-hmm. we think we don't like reading but that might not necessarily be true so like when we had this conversation um in the past, I remember I remember asking you guys like what your favorite genre of books were and um, kind of attempting to pinpoint like why that may be um, in in like because of your personalities. So for example, if you're a person like Fahim who's really interested in in, in current event kind of things, um, or or like I guess kind of how the world works in a specific way, um, and likes books like The Maze Runner then, like, dystopian fiction might be totally your jam. Um, or you might want to just read books that are um, all about, like, the current state of the world or, or the events that we face as a society. Like, for example, if he wanted to pick up uh, a nonfiction book, like, that was, that was totally kind of, like, relevant to what's going on in the world today, I would recommend A More Perfect Reunion, which is about race, integration, and the future of America uh, by, by Calvin Baker. Um, because I think that's a nonfiction book that is kind of like a testament to, to what is going on in our world today and kind of like maybe a new perspective or a fresh perspective on something that we believe strongly in. Um, but I think that it's always important to find the kind of writing and find the, the genre that fits your taste because it's going to do so much for you mm-hmm. in the future. I agree. Um, and yeah, no, I think that's... I think that's everything that I wanted to cover. No, read. Yeah. Read, people. It's good for you. Or don't, like me and Fahim. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's like, I'm not reading a book after this. you could read a bit more, too. <laughs> just saying. If you can dedicate... If you can sit down and dedicate yourself for 45 minutes to listening to us talk about random, like, bouncing from topic to topic... You can read a book that actually has a purpose, like, chronologically. <laughs> hey, don't discourage people from listening. I'm sorry, you can cut that out. I just gotta say. Yeah, priority oh, list. Listen to the podcast, the, then That's it. Number one priority in life. <laughs> I can't say no to that, but I also can't say yes either. I'm passionate about both. Um, yeah, but actually, really quick, that does remind me. Um, audiobooks exist. Fuck. That's a thing, people. Audiobooks exist. If you don't think you can sit and stare at pages for a long time, listen to them. Or do them <laughs> both at the same time. Have the audiobook playing and look at the pages. True, because that's, that's another attention thing. You double the stimulation and you cut out at least half of the distractions. Mm-hmm. Mm. I've, I don't know if I've ever tried that, but... Other than in class, but that was the Scarlet Letter or something, or the Crucible, and I was like out of it. Then. It was the Scarlet Letter. But, uh, yeah. And the audiobooks exist. Don't forget. All right. 
So if you haven't heard my voice enough already in today's episode of the podcast, be sure to check out the other episodes we've uploaded on YouTube and Spotify at The Intersectional Podcast. Um, Feel free to email us if you have any questions or fill out the contact form on our website. Uh, You can find us on Instagram and Twitter, uh, which is The Intersectional Podcast and at Intersect Pod, because Twitter only has 15 character limits. Um, (laughs) Uh, And with that, thank you so much for listening. Thank you.